0: I'm K.S. Garner and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbrick Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with the creator and writer of the comic book The Chronicles of Shara Malazy*, currently on Kickstarter, Keith C. Wade. Welcome, Keith.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, this is the best part of my day.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining us. But outside my introduction, who is Keith Wade and what are you about?
1: Keith Wade. Uh, I sell candy, and I do have, No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I am a writer, actor, director. I've been in the industry for about sort of for a while. A while. Yeah. Um, I've been on television, screen, uh, movies. I've done. I've done primarily a lot of theater work, but my love has always been comic books, and so now I'm just kind of realizing my dream of doing my own. Uh, comic book, The Chronicles of Shara Malezy.
0: And what is The Chronicles of Shara Malaysia* about?
1: The Chronicles of Shara Malezy is a thrilling action um, Afrofuturism book that's honestly based on my novel, uh, A Warrior's Path Alpha. It's available on Amazon as well. Um, but it's the follow-up uh, to A Warrior's Path Alpha, and it focuses on uh, the character of Shara Malezy. She is the only female member of the New Senegalese uh, Imperial Guard. The entire story is set 375 years from now in Senegal, Africa, where it's called New Senegal. And the continent of Africa is really what America is now. It's a real melting pot of all cultures because everybody has kind of funneled back to uh, the motherland, as you would say. And There's a lot of the feudal systems of New Senegal and Kemet and all of the kind of um, re-established countries there on the continent. Um, Of them, New Senegal, I guess, would be compared to Chicago or New York. And New Senegal is at war with Kemet, and they've been in a 20-year blood war. It's a really almost um, almost religious war that they've been having. But in recent times, in the last year or so, uh, the story is set, 2375. Since 2374, there's been a new terrorist organization, a demon terrorist organization called the Onyx that have just been wreaking havoc over both countries, over the entire continent. So. Uh, a battalion from the New Senegalese Imperial Guard was sent to um, what's considered now South Africa, but in my story, it's called Shaka. It's been sent to Shaka to kind of root out what they believe is the, whole, uh, the core, the home base of the Onyx. Um, and it's a suicide mission. They don't believe this battalion of uh, maybe a hundred men and one female will succeed but she has to go and that's what her story is about it's it's uh the chronicle of her journey from new Senegal to shaka and everything that happens in between
0: yeah you mentioned how i guess how everyone is migrating back to the continent of africa and i can actually at in, in this point in your story i guess in what, what what year is it set in again you said like in 300...
1: 2375
0: 2375 yeah i can Definitely see people migrating back in real life because people have been mentioning uh, returning to uh, well, I should say black people, returning to uh, the continent of Africa. like I've heard people mention uh, like uh, Uganda, you know, I think a lot of people now are actually going back to Africa from what I'm hearing, just I guess to for for work and for homes and just maybe the freedoms there. I'm not really sure. Um, But yeah, I've definitely been hearing more and more people uh, migrating back that way. Um, But you mentioned that you have your own novel, uh, A Warrior's Path Alpha, and this is kind of like a follow up to that. So will uh, readers need to read A Warrior's Path first or is it maybe just going to be a bit of it sprinkled in there, but they don't have to actually read it?
1: Absolutely. It's just a bit bits and pieces. Of, of the novel that's in the comic book, but they can start completely with the comic book and it's a completely, it's an adjacent story. Uh, if you read the novel, Shara is mentioned, Shara scene, and she's just about to leave for her uh, battalion. She's just about to be deployed in the novel. Um, and this is what happens on her deployment. So it's a completely independent story.
0: Okay. Uh, can you elaborate on your creative process on the Chronicles of Shara Malaysia from just a thought in your head to now promoting the I guess the finished product of this first issue like the I mean I guess like this seems like a lot of a lot of world building so how was it to, how was it I guess the thought of it and then actually putting the pen to page and then now promoting it
1: Listen I'm going to give you some exclusive a lot of people, <laughs> notice but i started writing a warrior's path in
0: 1997
1: oh wow yes it's been cooking in my belly for a minute and it actually started again a lot of people don't know this i um i loved brandy i used to have i used to like i met her once i actually went out on a date with her once it was just really cool oh wow and i wanted to write a story i'm a big star wars head mm-hmm. I've always been a Jedi in my mind. And I wanted to create a story that reflected some of my experiences. some people that look like me. Mm -hmm. We had Lando, but you know, he started out as a scoundrel. So I was like, I really wanted a hero that looked like me. Mm -hmm. So I started coming up with the concept of a warrior's path while I was at college at Albany State University. And I had just met Brandy and I was like, you know what, I want to I wanna create a venue for her too. I want her to be the queen in my story. And so that's how it just started. And it it started out as a screenplay that I wanted us to be in. And then I, uh, right out of college, I got hired as the theater coordinator for Miami-Dade Parks and Recreation uh, here in Miami, Florida. And so for my students, I wanted to create uh, an adventure that was kind of unlike anything that they'd experienced before it's unlike the whiz unlike a misbehaving i wanted to my my heart is in theater so i created this uh one-act play based on the story
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so when i created that and i cast some of my students in it one of the moms who uh saw the show there was she's like oh my god this is an amazing story it needs to be a novel and so, uh, shout out to Shelley Paris and Infinite Possibilities Publishing. She said, "If you write that as a novel, I will publish it." Oh wow! So I said, "Okay, I'll do." And so I wrote it as a novel, and uh, it was originally published from Infinite Possibilities Publishing in like 2006 or so. And it didn't have a bunch of uh, it didn't have a bunch of promotion. Nobody really knew. I might have sold like a hundred copies. Um, but it gave birth to this amazing, uh, thing that I now call my, my life's work. Like this, this is my star Wars. If I'm George Lucas, um, then this is my star Wars.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Lando. What do you, what did you, what did you think of Finn?
1: I, I love John Boyega. Real talk. I love dude and I love his sensibility, but what they did to the character was horrendous. They mm-hmm. like drew the character somewhere and just left him to marinate and he never developed. Yeah. Uh, when, and, I, and tell me if I'm wrong now, tell me if I'm wrong. When the Force Awakens came out and you saw him holding that lightsaber, there was just something inside you that just soared.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like for me, I just, I was so excited to see that happen. And then for them to kind of flip it, and give Ray the lightsaber, I didn't have no problem with that. Okay, fine. We can have two jet. We can have two Jedi.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Never happened. And so they really, really, really dropped the ball on the character, and it really, it, it hurt my soul because you know it. He could have been, he should have been the next uh, Han Solo. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: nothing happened, and and I thought his performance in and the force awakens was amazing like that was the center of the entire movie for me yeah Uh, but they just never did anything with it what you what you think
0: i mean i agree i it the the first one i i really enjoyed and then the second one was like what what is this (laughs) what what am i what am i looking at (laughs) right and then like like i mean like you said in the third one they kind of just dropped it because there's like it it started to shift more onto Ray. Mm-hmm. and then I I it's because it was it was weird because in the first one we didn't know what the relationship was between her and Kylo Ren. You know, people mm-hmm. thought maybe they were siblings or related somehow. And then there was the relationship between Rose and Finn that came out of nowhere. And the whole casino thing too like it's yeah. like they, they try to bring in this new character and a backstory but then they dropped her character too so mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense and then in the third one ray and kylo ren are together and it, it, it like i said it just kind of didn't it just kind of didn't make sense. It's like they're trying to do all these different storylines all time. at one time. You know, whereas they could have just stuck to the one story and then expanded on it like they're doing now with the Disney Plus, they're kind of expanding on different storylines and different universes. So they didn't have to fit everything all in one time. But I guess they just wanted to wrap it all up now and then explore everything else later. I don't know. It was all really confusing to me. So but yeah, I, I do agree that they kind of like messed up his character because it's like they were going one way and then they stopped and then they pushed they tried to continue on with it but it didn't make sense or
2: Absolutely. it wasn't
0: finished it didn't make sense
1: So, I think you know I don't like a lot of Star Wars fans and I'm a huge Star Wars fan I think a lot of people blame Kathleen Kennedy a lot of people like dog Kathleen Kennedy about it but I, for me her track record stands up you know what I'm saying? I don't blame Kathleen Kennedy. I blame Ryan Johnson for being a contrarian. Mm -hmm. I think um, they didn't have a plan, and the loose plan that they did have kind of got derailed by what Ryan Johnson wanted to do as a filmmaker. Again, I'm a filmmaker, so I I get that you want to have your own vision, but you had to respect the source material, and he didn't.
0: I think a lot of studios relied too much on the audience to sell their movie to make their money. So even if it doesn't make sense, like this whole thing didn't make sense. This trilogy really just kind of fell apart. But you have these diehard Star Wars fans that have been going to the movies to see these films ever since they came out in the 70s. So you know even if they do mess up, it's still gonna be number one the box office, at least for like like two weeks you know yeah. they're going to definitely make their money back mm-hmm. but it's like this is what we left with and you're kind of just just kind of like i, I, I don't want to say destroying uh some of these people's childhoods or <laughs> even george's george's work in a George. way like i mean he tried to do you know he tried to continue on with it in the um ones from the from the 2000s but I, some people didn't like those either so he kind of just i guess dropped it and they offered him like a billion dollars to sell him he, he did you know it's like if somebody took your stuff and it was they adapted into films like you adapted into films and then like 25 30 years later you did them again and people didn't like him It's like well whatever i did what i could and then disney offered you a billion dollars to buy mm-hmm. it from you that's a billion dollars you ain't gonna pass more on that, you know, that still off. your stuff they still consult with you you know mm-hmm. but you still you know you made a billion dollars off of that and there's really nothing you can really do with it and like I said I think they just rely too much on the audience to make their money even mm-hmm. if the stuff is crap so let's mm-hmm.
1: just yeah. me. no I, I totally agree with you I think with what's going on with John Favreau and Dave Filoni, like what they're doing with the Mandalorian and just that whole, I think they, they needed somebody that came in and really appreciated the material.
2: Mm-hmm. And, Jon
1: and 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 Dave appreciated and respected the material just like uh, I'm sure you and a million other people saw Luke Skywalker returning in the Mandalorian and it just made you cry. Like I literally yeah. was running in my house.
2: Yeah,
0: I was looking at it, and I was like, who, we, we're all like, who is that, who is that, and then we realized who it was, it was like, oh, I remember, like, racing home after work to hurry up and watch it and avoiding spoilers all day, because I was like, I need to see what this is, right, and then once you realize who it was, it's like, "Ah!" everybody just couldn't shut up about it for, like, two weeks
1: after that, it was so great, so. I was watching that at two o'clock in the morning. As soon as it came on, I was like, no, ain't nobody gonna spoil this for me. I'm gonna uh-huh. watch it as soon as it comes on.
0: Exactly. Oh, I can't wait for season three. I wonder what they're gonna do with that one. And then the book of Boba Fett. And yeah, the then it's really gonna be interesting. Yeah, and then Obi-Wan is getting his too. I think <laughs> they just finished that. So I'm 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 proud
1: of what's happened. I think I think George made the right decision to sell it to Disney. Uh, a lot of people, oh, Disney's the devil. But I don't know that we would have ever seen another Star Wars movie if Disney hadn't took the property. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad it's still alive. Like, I would I would love for one day to be talking to you 10 years, 20 years from now and be like, yeah, I sold uh, a warrior's path to Disney and they're carrying on the legacy. Like, it's it's part of what has to happen if you want to see your uh, your work kind of take it to the next level. And I've always, I've used three filmmakers as my inspiration uh, for the stuff that I do in the way that I do it. Spike Lee, George Lucas, um, and, and to a degree, um, Steven Spielberg, um, but definitely Spike and, and George in their independent spirit. Um, they didn't, ask you know they didn't wait for permission to write the kind of stories they wanted to write
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's what I I wanted to do I just wanted to write a story that's honest to what I want to say the way I want to say it uh, my experience and let whomever consume it and digest it the way they want to make their own decisions in regard to it but what I think I always want to say about a warrior's path is that it is truly me, it's truly what I think, it's truly what I believe, it's truly what I feel and i experienced, and what I want to share with the world.
0: Yeah, uh, what I appreciate about Star Wars is that it may not be as true now as it was when it first came out, but it's, I guess, one of the few, um, original worlds, and, um, like, it doesn't have source material as far as being based off a book or based off someone's life this is all from george you know Mm -hmm. his own like with your with a warrior's path and the chronicles of sharma lazy you know this is all your world building you know Mm -hmm. and it's all coming from you and not from somebody else you -hmm. know was for me i don't know about anybody else i don't know about you but i'm kind of Tired of the reboots. I'm kind of tired of things being remade. I was like, where's the original work? Like, I get it. People feel more comfortable with stuff like that. Like they they don't have to figure out what's going on. They already know what's going to happen. But Mm -hmm. it's like, I want original stories. You know, I want world building. I want character development. I don't want to know what's about to happen and stuff like that. I'm not interested because I mean, what can you possibly do with a story that's been told? multiple times already right okay. so that's another reason why i do these interviews and i seek out independent um uh, creators because it's like you all have your own story to tell and there's a lot of world building you're just you're telling the stories that you want to hear or you know the movies or comics that you want to see and read and consume mm-hmm. right all right so let's let's jump back into the chronicles of Char malaysi this is about you not about <laughs> they've, made, they've made enough money <laughs> we can talk
1: about it because it all relates to me like i got right. on my Char-Malazi t-shirt right now
0: sweet uh so how has your journey been finding and working with collaborators on the chronicles of shari Malaysia?
1: <laughs> i had to take a breath because this has honestly been um a 30-year journey
2: mm-hmm.
1: because of course the Sharma uh the original story for Warriors Past started in 1997, but I've been a comic book fan since about 1980, uh, 1987. Mm-hmm. I've been, I've
2: I've loved the
1: X-Men. I'm an X-Men dude. Yeah. And and Chris Claremont's run on the X-Men during the 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 90s the, the 80s into the early 90s, it inspired me like I would sit in a bookstore um And I would just like sit at the rack, like bookstores used to have, just like these racks of comic books. And I would just sit in front of them, in the middle of the store, and just read different books. And you know, they'd always, "Hey, you gotta buy, <laughs> buy, read," so that kind of thing. But you know, I would buy a bunch of X Men, and I would, I would just relevate I mean, just, just, just submerge, submerge myself in those stories. Um, And I remember the first real book that I uh, got was X-Men versus Fantastic Four. And I told myself then that I was going to be somebody who wrote comic books. Before I was a journalist, before I was an actor, I wanted to write comic books. And so from that point to now where I'm, you know, good and grown, it's been an absolute journey trying to find you know, the right company, because I actually founded my own company when I was about 14 to try to do this, and I had no clue how to do it, uh, so that wasn't successful, but founding your own company and then finding the right artist, the the biggest challenge that I've had uh, in terms of, of developing in this and, and bring it to fruition is finding the right artist, mm-hmm. and I want to say that I've searched for years to find, like, a lot of people, We're as, as artists, we're a little flaky, we're a little, you know, sometimes we can be here and then be somewhere else. So finding somebody who actually bought into the project and bought into the world and, and bought into what I was trying to say was so incredibly difficult. So I've had people literally um, start the work, do two pages that I never hear from again. Mm-hmm. I actually, the reason why we're doing this Kickstarter now is I uh, found a young lady, she's an amazing artist, and I, I just want to pay her up front. Like, you know what, I'll pay you up front and start the work. And she took the money and ran. Oh, wow. So it was it, it was a real huge setback. And then I have a number of friends that are in the industry here, and one of my friends is Juan Navarro, and he runs Creature Entertainment. And I've done some movies with them before, and uh, they're a really, really cool uh, independent comic book company down here. And I talked to him once, and I said, Juan, man, do you have any artists that would want to collaborate with me to get this book out? Because it's my life's work. Like, I've always wanted to do this. And he said, you know, let me introduce you to Kenny. And Kenny had just come from New York not too long ago. And I was introduced to Kenny Calderon, the illustrator of um, a lot of the book. Like, he's the illustrator for the issue number one and issue number two. And the synergy behind with me and Kenny was just it's just, it was magical. He totally bought in. He was like, OK, I can do this and did it like he's an honorable person. And he just jumped in the project and created magic with it. And for the first time, I saw the characters that have been on my head and on the page illustrated into real life. So Kenny Calderon and uh, Juan Navarro and the boys at Creature brought everything to life like that marriage is the reason why the Chronicles of Sharma Lazy exists today.
0: Oh, it's, I've never heard, I mean, I've heard people from other creators that I've interviewed, you know, they've paid for work that they didn't like, but they still had to pay him anyway, but I've never, that's unfortunate. I've never heard of someone saying that, you know, you pay someone up front and then they just ran off with the money. That's, that is terrible. That is just so terrible. Yeah. And I, I,
1: I battle within my spirit to like expose her and talk to her you know but I just I think for me she has to deal with whatever she has to deal with and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be I'm not that's not what I'm motivated by I'm at heart a Jedi we don't we don't act in revenge
0: oh oh man good on you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what advice would you offer to other comic book writers and creators you wish someone would have told you when you first started
1: (laughs) that's that is that is long that's a lot but first what i'll say is um the financial stability of doing this is incredibly important Mm -hmm. stack your chips um stack your chips and invest in yourself um create a plan where like I think for me paying I paid for the book first book out of my own pocket and then tried to pay um for the second book um but what happened was I worked for a whole summer uh at a second job and that entire the entire uh my entire revenue from that summer I just invested in my book Mm-hmm. So it was bought and paid for, and I had no worries in terms of knowing financially what I was gonna have to do to get this out. Now, the subsequent books, that's why I'm doing a Kickstarter, but um it cost it cost me a lot of time and money and sacrifice to do it. But what I would advise uh, creators is that invest in yourself even if you have to sacrifice you know a trip a this or that pawn some stuff the best the best investment that you can make is in yourself so invest in yourself financially first second um move in silence yeah move in silence um write your story like I have such a relationship with Warrior's Path and the Chronicles of My My writing time is maybe usually about two o'clock in the morning. And I'll go to sleep and then wake up with this story in my head. And I think God or whatever you like to call it speaks clearly to me when the rest of the world is silent. So it was just me and my computer in silence just writing this story Mm -hmm. um and that was a big relationship like literally during the pandemic um my computer and I were in a completely symbiotic relationship where it would stay on and it it would call me like hey come on over Mm -hmm. got some other stuff to put down come on over so uh that would that would be what I would really advise like just move in silence you, you don't have to tell a lot of people about what you're doing you just do it it's like it's like having a relationship on Facebook a lot of people post but it's not a real thing you mm-hmm. can have everything that you need right there between the pen paper and the computer and just move in silence
0: yeah exactly um, well, my last question for you, Keith, is what is your idea of success? I asked that question because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote-unquote success?
1: Um. It's funny you ask that. I, um, I was just here. I was just a couple of weeks ago at Florida Supercon and, um, I was selling a bunch of Char uh, the f- first issue and a special print and, um, t-shirts and merchandise and a, a bunch of stuff. And my, my little brother came by and he brought a bunch of his friends and he said, man, I think it's so cool that years ago you told me this was going to happen and now it is
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and he said that and it resonated with me and then a little boy came by a little dude that looked just like me and he was like there was like this wonder in his eyes his eyes got so big when he was looking at like uh, the comic book and the posters and the teacher and he said did you do this and i said yes and you can too and so that's success to me
2: the representation
1: the representation of it um the inspiration of it
2: Mm -hmm.
1: the the manifestation of word and deed and dream
2: Mm
1: This is possible. It's really possible. And whether I sell a million copies or I sell the ten that I did at Supercon, I success to me is getting out these four issues that I want to tell this story. Um, success to me is having some kid in Cleveland, Ohio. Have my book and read it on his couch the same way I used to read Chris Kalamura. And success to me is having a kid come to me at a con. And the same way that I did with Stan Lee, like years and years ago. Um, I met Stan Lee at a con maybe in the late in the early 90s. And usually there's a huge line. And I remember I had the the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man number One, and they were charging money for an autograph, and I didn't have no money for that. I was a poor kid from Miami. And he saw me, and he said, "Hey, kid, come here." And I was like, oh, Mr. Lee, how are you?" Da, da, da. Um And he just took my comic book out of his out of my hand, and I was like, uh, "Wait, wait, I don't have any money to get you to sign for it." And he said, "Kid, do you think Peter Parker worries about money when he fights the Green Goblin? You he doesn't. And you don't either. And he signed my book and he said, keep dreaming. And I want to be that for some other kid. So that's what success is for me.
0: That is great. That is that's a that's a that's a great story. Thank you. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I just want to add on a little bit to um what you said about moving and working in silence um i think that's important as well because i was just thinking about this the other day about how people base their um compliments to your work or even criticisms criticisms to your work based off of their work ethic and not yours mm-hmm. so um because usually i ask people how they will themselves into accepting um, praise from people for their work. And they would normally say, you know, just accept it, or maybe it's something they need to work on. But, you know, someone gives you a compliment, just accept it and move on. And I try to tell people to take that with a grain of salt a little bit, you know, the compliments and the criticisms, because they're basing it off of their work ethic and not yours. So say like, It wasn't your it wasn't your little brother, it wasn't that little kid, it was somebody else that said to you, Oh, you know, what you did was great, being able to publish your comic books that you've been talking about such a long time, I would have quit a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like they basing that off of not because you've been successful in publishing your work, like finally doing it after 20, 30, some odd years of writing it and and creating this world that you had in your head and your imagination for so long. They're basing it off of their work ethic and yeah. how they would have quit a long time ago so yeah. the fact that you've moved past these may possibly backhanded compliments in a way so <laughs> I mean I I, I guess just is me being jaded or spiteful I mean I don't mean to but is that's just what it is when like with trolls and even people who are poor who are well intended mm-hmm. but you it's just like what you're trying to say doesn't really make sense in a way but yeah I think that's another part of being successful is that a lot of what people say good and bad well intended or not is based off their experiences and their work ethic and not yours so Mm -hmm. I guess it's just other advice I mean I just I just remember that I was thinking about that the other day when you said moving in silence because like you said, people who post on Facebook, they're just kind of like posting, but it doesn't really mean anything or it's not really going anywhere. Whereas you just, I, I feel like it's good to to talk about the things that you, the process of what you're doing just to get it out there because somebody else may be doing the same thing. Um, and there's always somebody watching, no matter if they like it or they even acknowledge your post or not, there's always somebody watching. Absolutely. But I feel like at the same time moving in silence is preferable because when you put it out there, then now you have to kind of follow through on it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's like, like I said, somebody's watching, someone's going to bring that back up again. Like, Hey, you said a couple of weeks ago, we said a couple of months ago, how's that going? It's like, Oh shit. I didn't think anybody paid attention. (laughs) (laughs) So like you're, you're, you feel bad about it. And then now somebody just brought it up. So now you have to, and again, you when you put it out there, now you kind of have to do it. So, but when you move in silence and you have the notes at your desk about writing and reminders, I think that's better for you to keep yourself in line than have somebody else keep you in line in a way. Yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of rambling now. You supposed to be the one rambling, not me.
1: <laughs> no, I totally get it. I mean, and it it reminds me of like uh, at the con again. A guy came by and he said, "What is this about?" And you know, we can give all the superlatives and the, the the log lines of, "Oh, it's Star Wars meets Black Panther, and it's this and that, and blah blah blah." But I re-examined why I was doing, it. like, what is this about? And at the heart of a warrior's path and the Chronicles of Sharmalaze, it's about a person understanding their path who they are and what they must do. Who are you and what must you do in order to really find your perfect path? Like, what is it? What are you doing? And I um, I wanted to create this female character of color that had a real life. Like she doesn't have a bunch of superpowers, but she is an she's a badass, kick-ass warrior,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she was deployed to this place where people don't believe she's going to come back from, but she's determined to come back because she's she told her fiance, like, listen, I'm going, but as soon as I get back, the day I get back, we're going to get married, and she's going, but she left a bunch of kids that she teaches art architecture too, And she says, as soon as I get back, I want that assignment that I've assigned. She is a multidimensional character that's not just doing something because she's good. She's doing it because her heart tells her that she has to, but she has motivations beyond um, what that mission is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to create a female character of color, a Black girl that was in love with somebody else, and they're waiting for her to get home. I wanted to create a black girl that can that didn't have to be saved by anybody. Instead, she's doing the saving. I wanted to create a character that was that had emotion, that had fear, that had doubt, and in and in spite of all that she pushed on because all of us have to do that. Mm-hmm. um. She is somebody that I wanted my daughter to be inspired by. You know, there's Wonder Woman in the Storm, and I'm a personal big fan of Storm. But Shar Lazy is the hero I want little black girls to relate to because she she falls down. She gets cut, she fails, and she keeps pushing on,
0: yeah, that, again, representation definitely matters. And a well-rounded, Characters of color matter too. I feel like a lot of us, when we see characters of color, are sidekicks or we're part of someone else's plot, but we yeah. don't have our own. Again, it goes back to Finn. You know, he was a big part of the story and then he kind of wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to bring it back, but then it didn't make sense. And it's like they could have made him force sensitive earlier and yep. then kept going with it, but then they try to make it at the very end.
1: And left that open ended, like, oh, I have something to tell you, and never told us. Man, come on, dog. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, uh, Keith, is there anything else you wanted to push about the Chronicles of Shara Malaysi? Maybe discuss rewards for potential backers?
1: Absolutely. Um, there's a litany of rewards, um, not only the the four issues digitally and in print, and all of the really amazing merchandise, but the big thing is you being drawn into the Warrior's Path universe, into Char Malaysia itself, Kenny Calderon. Uh, one of the big rewards is you being a character in the last couple of books. So if you support it, your likeness, your character will be specifically designed and put in part of the story. So I, it's essentially like you're being immortalized. Yeah, a lot of um, comic book,
0: uh creators are doing that too, which I think is really, I think is really, really cool. So instead of just having a copy of it, you can actually be in it. So yes. that'd be really, really cool. All right. Again, I want to thank the creator and writer of the comic book, The Chronicles of Shar Malazi, currently on Kickstarter, Keith C. Wade. I highly recommend, recommend our listeners to give the Kickstarter a look, share, and or back if they can. All of Keith's social medias and website for the uh, Warriors Path Alpha will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link. Again, I'm KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdberg Podcast. Thank you.